You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. So today, we are reviewing The Invitation 2015. The reason why I give that special designation is because a recent Netflix original, I believe, called The Invitation came out, uh, I believe, in 2022 or just now, maybe like a couple months ago. So uh, this is from a much smaller film. It stars Logan Marshall Green, and um, it's a drama sort of psychological thriller. And I do want to give a full disclosure on this one. I saw it probably four or five years ago. I loved it. I watched it again about two years later. I loved it again. And then I watched it about two weeks ago uh, with my girlfriend and one of my friends. And I still thought it was awesome. So in the spirit of short movies for February, and this is reasonably short, I think it's about an hour and 40 minutes, I decided to recommend watching The Invitation 2015 to my dad. And that's where we sort of jump in here. But uh, before we get into anything else, I'm curious to know your thoughts on how you felt going into this. Um, you know, I remembered seeing an advertisement for the invitation, which is the more recent one uh, mm-hmm. that it really was just very poorly received. I-, I did not see it. I don't think I necessarily was too interested in seeing it, although we are a, a horror genre. We're fans of the horror genre. It just didn't appeal to me. So I was intrigued that you were so high on this film. So I figured it was going to be um, a a film that you liked. I didn't know that until you just said that. You just confirmed it, but I assumed so. Um, I really didn't know. I I thought it looked a little bit like The Menu, which we reviewed a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you know I like that very much. So I was intrigued. And I what you know I read the premise, uh, which I'll read in just a moment. And I thought, okay, well let's let's give it a shot. Uh, It's short. It's of a of a genre that I enjoy, and Noah seems to like it, so it's got to be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of that premise, do you have a synopsis pulled up for us? I do. While attending a dinner party at his former house, at his former house, I have to accentuate that, a man starts to believe that his ex-wife and her new husband have sinister plans for the guests. It's a simple concept. It definitely is a simple concept, and it adds an air of mystery to everything. Um, I think upon first viewing of this film, uh, you're really unraveling that mystery, um, and we'll get more into that uh, later on. But I think this movie does such a fantastic job of pacing and sort of unloading that plot mystery on you without keeping it from you for most of the movie. In fact, I think it does offer quite a bit that um, you can see early on, but the payoff is just uh something else entirely so i think that's why i enjoyed this movie so much uh sorry about that grace just came in um and actually like i said before grace did watch this movie with me but um yeah this movie is not well known by any means um i think it cost a measly one million dollars to make uh once again it came out in 2015 and it made three hundred fifty-four thousand and eight hundred thirty-five dollars. so it was no box office hit uh, very few people know about this movie because it's relatively independent. It was given a limited release in theaters after going on the sort of uh, film festival circuit uh, around then. And I'd never really heard anybody talk about this film. However, it has 
excellent reviews. Um, it has an 89% critical approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes and uh, audiences like it a lot too. Um, so clearly there's something to this movie and I hope that with the new invitation and it's, um, I guess, higher status in uh, the Google search engine optimization, uh, that the invitation 2015 will also get more looks because they share the same name and it's rated so highly. So I found that fascinating about this film. Um, I personally, I have my own thoughts on it and we'll get into that once we uh, talk about our opinions, but it's definitely, it's definitely one of those movies that you wouldn't watch unless somebody recommended it to you. Would you find that to be accurate? I think that, I mean, I probably would have watched it ultimately just because it was intriguing enough for me. The the premise seemed interesting. You know, you, you, you can, um, it sounds suspenseful. It sounds, you don't, it's the kind of film. And I just read the synopsis where you're just going to have to watch it to see what happens, right? It doesn't yeah. give you an entire, you know, this is what happens. This is what happens. It, you, it's a setting and you, and it creates, um, it creates a story or a story as a result of the setting. So anyway, yeah, I probably would have watched it, but I'm not sure most people have heard of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then once again, this week, uh, this movie doesn't really have any star power. Logan Marshall Green uh, is the lead actor in this, and he was known for The O.C., which I believe was a TV series. Oh, and is that right? I didn't know that. Okay. He was also in Prometheus. Yes. And a movie called Upgrade, which came out in 2018, I want to say. I saw that with my friends. But the only reason I saw that was because it was on MoviePass. And um, that was a very small budget film with a really cool concept. Um, but he hasn't necessarily been a star and i think he's in his mid-40s now and a lot of people compare him to tom hardy uh just by a celebrity lookalike so it's kind of fascinating that he's gotten to do some cool things but he's not really a bigger star than he is um other than that i want to know what you thought of the movie noah what do you think i thought of this film i thought you thought it was great I did not think it was great. Ah. In fact, I didn't really like this film at all. <laughs> Come on. Um, <laughs> uh, I did like the lead. Uh, I liked him a lot. Um, the whole thing was just, uh, I, I did not think the pacing was good. I did not, no. I, I didn't hate this movie. I just wanted to like it more than I did. I wanted to like it so much more than I did. And there's so many questions I have about this film um and we'll get to those in just a minute so i'm sorry to uh i really am i really i really thought i was gonna like it um and i did again i didn't hate it i just didn't like it all right well fair enough um well, that's another strikeout on my end for the recommendation <laughs> no 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 this is not a competition this was what makes it for a lively podcast episode yeah that's for sure um oh, if you couldn't tell already i love this movie i think it's great um i think my expectations going into it the first time watching it, there were no expectations, or at least they were very low. And I thought it was way better than I would have initially given it credit for. I thought it was much smarter and much more intriguing. And I thought the payoff was pretty crazy in the end. Um, I've seen it multiple times and I've liked it just as much uh, every single time I viewed it. So, I mean, I, I will agree. The payoff is, is, is relatively satisfying. Um, I mean, you know, we just need to go into spoilers because we need to talk about this. All right. So, uh, yeah, before uh, before we do that, uh, you did not like this movie. I really did like this movie. 
If by that alone, you want to make a decision on whether you want to watch it, go ahead and do that. We're jumping straight into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. Okay, let's uh, hear your thoughts, ask some questions. I'm happy to answer them. I'm also happy to sort of uh, explore with you as to why you didn't like the movie. Okay, so you know I'm a realist, right? Yes. I, I am not. Uh, I'm very realistic. I, I think of myself as a very um, pragmatic kind of person, and and I believe I am. Um, if I got an invitation from my ex-wife uh, to a dinner party at her home, which is the same house I lived in, with her new partner, and in that house, I have the memory of losing my child. I mean, the list of things that is just going on and on. There is no way I would I would go. So there would be no movie. Um, now I realize that that's you know the premise ultimately is hmm what is this about you know it's a it's an invitation and I did like the fact that when he is they're in the car riding to the to the dinner party and they they hit the is it a coyote or or I think it's a coyote um, yeah they're living in uh, California in California yeah. Um, and I mean, you could see as they're winding down the road, the Hollywood signs right behind them. So mm-hmm. in, in the one scene, but, um, I, I wouldn't, I would just never go. So for me, it was a non-starter because I would not be intrigued. I would never have responded. I would, no, I wouldn't go. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Um, in this sense, obviously an extremely rational person, uh, would probably not do the same thing, but I also want to acknowledge that this was a huge tragedy suffered between the two of them. And they didn't get divorced from what I understand because they didn't love each other, but because of this tragedy and how they both reacted to it, that split them apart. And I think when you don't see somebody for two years and you have to sort of contend with that on your own, rather than sharing that grief together, that's something where you might be intrigued. It's not just you getting the invitation. You know that all of your friend group is getting it and you're perhaps intrigued as to how that person has changed, if things are going to be better, if you can come to some sort of conflict resolution. Because at the end of the day, I think we as humans, we obviously have so many choices in life. Some of them are obvious, some of them are not. But I think when you go through something like that, which is so greatly affecting to somebody like yourself, but also your own partner who you created that life with, um, it's not so crazy and out there, especially when all your friends are going to be together, maybe to soften sort of the impact of maybe facing that person one-on-one. I don't think it's that crazy to accept an invitation like that. Um, I I get that it's just, it's a a tough, complicated situation, but I can see why people would decide to go. I think the most unrealistic thing about that is two people or uh, maybe 10 people not seeing each other for about two years, and then everybody being able to make it, that is wildly Hmm. unrealistic in making plans. Uh, I I will admit, I was blown away by the fact that everybody was able to coordinate to an extent. But remember, the invitation itself was substantial. As they're they're driving down the road in the the opening scene, the comment from his girlfriend is, you know, wow, they really went all out on this invitation. This is very formal kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it makes me, I get it. I get it. It just, it just wouldn't be me. I did appreciate the fact that he went went into it with tremendous hesitancy. And you don't know until he walks into the house about the child and, and the history that they had. Or at least I didn't pick up on the history. He's walking in and he looks at, looks to his left or right and he envisions his son playing with Legos or whatever. And and then you realize, okay, there's something that happened here in this house. Um, and, and and for me, I'm just someone as much, I like closure so much that I, I have to 
I have to close doors mm-hmm. and never open them again. Yeah. And that's I know just the saying. way I roll. But um, ex- exactly. That's the way you roll. And for yeah. some people, it's not like that. And I agree. Like most people probably are not like that. And I think what I appreciated the most about this movie um, was he was cagey the entire time. You entire, know, absolutely. I appreciated might, that very much. You might think that it's just like, oh, it's really dumb and irrational. He's going to this. But in the very beginning, his girlfriend says to him, are you sure you want to be here? And you can tell he has a lot of mixed feelings, but it's perhaps he feels like he needs to be there for an extent to get some sort of conflict resolution. And that's where I sort of appreciate the film going in that direction because he's not just saying, Hey, you know, this is not weird at all. Like I'm going into this. He has a lot of trepidation and he's questioning a lot and he comes off as very paranoid. And I think that's where the movie really makes it so strong because you're just kind of like something happened with this guy. And is he being, is he being rational or is he being too, is he being too impolite and suspicious of everybody when perhaps the motivations are not, you know, a bad thing. Right. I like how much they play with that and how the people around him kind of inadvertently and intentionally gaslight him into thinking maybe he is the problem. But there's this shared history of grief um, where he is just going through so many emotions and contending with that in a different way than his ex-wife did. I appreciate how he was just calling people out. I loved that where he's just like, why would you show that to us at a dinner party? Or like, you know, where's our friend right now? Like what is going on with him? You know, I like how he was sometimes right. And then sometimes he wasn't necessarily right, but he was, his reasonable suspicion was justified in the end. I thought Mm -hmm. that was done really, really well. And I think that's the strongest aspect of this movie. I thought the musical cues and sort of the long sequences of them staring and just like sort of checking things out was pretty fascinating. Even though I think this type of movie can really fall into the sneaking around checking things out sort of i guess convention that goes into uh these types of films but i want to know a little bit more about what you didn't like and maybe how i can answer that and yeah yeah here's the thing other than the i guess you would refer to him as the protagonist Mm -hmm. and his girlfriend uh, who i she seemed fine i did not like any of these people in this film not one Maybe with an, an exception being the the I think the the college professor who had just recently in the last year gotten tenure mm-hmm. left, and we all know she left to her demise. And I thought that was handled actually quite well. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a mystery, see, right? It was. You you know what happened, but you don't ever get to see what happened. And I think that made it even that much more effective. Um, but I, I think my biggest hangup was I didn't like any of these people. I mean, there was, I mean, if they all, if they all died, which most of them did, it, I didn't have any emotional attachment to them. They all felt very, uh, just sort of void of any, anything of value. I mean, they were, they seemed soulless. Sure. I can understand what you're saying. These are people from all different walks of life. And I think that they do a relatively surface level job of fleshing them out. They're not all three-dimensional characters. But at the same time, um, I think even if you can't be invested sometimes in every single character, it is shocking eventually what did happen. And I think that they did such a good job of toying around with you as to all right, are these characters going to die? Are they not? Like, what's going to happen? And I felt like, for the most part, even though these characters weren't necessarily likable, I don't think the film tried to make you like them. 
I think they tried to just present the characters as a set of people in different circumstances that used to be all really good friends. And they're kind of coming back to where they were before. I mean, none of these people may be, I don't think the film actually was trying to get you to like them. I don't think it was trying to get you to hate them necessarily, but I think it was not necessarily going for a point where you had to attach yourself to every single character. I think the focal characters such as Edie and um, of course, you know, the main character were probably the ones that you were supposed to feel the most for. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of where this movie gets into one of its best, strongest points. It's obviously about grief. They lost their child in an accident that happened on their child's birthday. And I think probably the most intelligent part of the film is showing how they both differently dealt with grief. On the one end, you had one person who decided to entirely remove themselves from it to kind of run away from it and deny almost that it exists in the first place in order to make themselves feel better and to, you know, it work through that. On the other hand, the other person being extremely rational, saw it at its face value and internalized that, you know, guilt, that anger, that frustration, just the loss and tragedy of it and kind of shut themselves away more and felt very dead inside. And you could see how that affected that person. So I like how it shows how two people who were together and lost something that they both created together. I I like how it sort of showed how they dealt with the grief of that on either side of the spectrum and how that can clash for so many people. And I thought that was a really good representation of a subplot that really led into what the main event was, you know? it's kind of it's just it was so crazy to me i thought it was done so well and i thought the production on this movie was excellent for a one million dollar budget yeah i um i i think the thing i liked one of the things i thought was intriguing was you know the immediate locking of the doors Mm -hmm. right you know first of all of course we can get no cell service let's that's a trope that is a trope right there admit it Admitted, well, no. it's limited. It's limited, right? right? Right. And and at the end, when they're saying call nine one one, I I turn to your mom and I'm like, how can they call nine one one? There is no cell cell service. And then of course, it, all of a sudden, it's spotty. But all that aside, I, I get what you're saying, and I really respect what you're saying. I just, um, I, I just felt like uh, these, and I know the movie did not necessarily work to get me to like them it's just that for me as a viewer if i'm going to get invested in something i have to at least feel some connection to them and i just didn't other than the main character i thought his wife uh, his ex-wife edie was a hot mess oh yeah big time and and honestly was ready for her to go early on because she was just a mess um and so i just I don't know. I I just felt like it was so. Um, I I wanted. I conceptually, this is an outstanding film. How's that? And I mean that sincerely. Sure. I, and I just didn't think the execution. And I don't think it was their fault. Um, I just think if the characters had been a little more, um, if I had a reason to understand why they were friends. I don't need 20 minutes of it. Mm-hmm. I just need to feel some connection to them, which I would have experienced if I had seen a connection with one another. Yeah, I know what you're saying. And that was surface level. But I mean, I think the idea to be implied was 
in their early 20s um early throughout their 20s they probably all knew each other from college or friends of friends and then they just you know that was their group for a while and then when they became parents or moved on in their lives you know they just kind of drifted apart a little bit and obviously the tragedy had a lot to do with that which is kind of the focal point of the movie but I, right, I got a couple i got a couple questions for you though i need i need answers too yes i do all want right. to bring up one thing though i all think right. you do make a very fair and valid point that you think that you understand that maybe conceptually this movie is fantastic. I've watched many films where they've been universally praised and generally there's nothing wrong with the film. I just personally didn't like it myself. I've been there before and I completely understand that. Okay. Yeah. Cause I wish I liked it more than I did. And I really, to some extent I feel like, and I, I know you're, you're an adult, but I feel like I'm disappointing you a little bit because I know you recommended this and you really wanted to talk about it for the pod. So, you know, sorry. Ah, high risk, high reward, right? There, there you go. All right. So here are my questions. I'm assuming that their son, uh, there was a, an accident with the bat. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. I, I think some kid was swinging out a pinata. Swinging a bat and hit him in the head or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing is, is uh, I've forgotten his, the, the main character's first name, but he never drank the wine. Is that is that true too? So they were drugging the wine? Right. He never okay. drank the, he never, and I mean, this is totally a cult trope, I suppose you could say, but um, yeah, you could see one of them sipped a little bit before they did uh -huh. the toast and yeah. she, she got poisoned first and then yes. she was so paranoid. He's like, don't drink the wine and everything. He never right. drank. Right. So almost okay. nobody drank it except for the person who got poisoned. Everybody else was either shot or somehow like stabbed otherwise. Right. Yeah, because the, you could see the, the camera panned and all the glasses of the wine were on the table, which I thought was quite effective. Um, the third question I had is, who was that woman? Who was that woman who was coming on to him? Where oh, yeah. That, I, I will admit that was really random. She was creepy. She was just, okay. I don't know how many cult movies you've seen or whatever, but that's really kind of a play on the really carefree hippie girl who has no sort of mm -hmm. like direction in the world but mm -hmm. just wants to live free and happy and everything right we've seen her in a lot of movies she was right. a product of that movement that um you know the wife had become a part of so they had made friends with her and everything and so you know she's this kind of dumb ditzy wants the world to be perfect type of person but you could tell that even though these people were saying these things about this movement that they were a part of they were still so broken on the inside and they were doing this kind of thing out of fear. I think that girl that you're talking about, mm -hmm. she was just crazy. She was just wild. I mean, you know that scene where he peeks through the door and she's mm -hmm. just kind of silently screaming to herself. You can mm -hmm. tell she's mentally unstable. She's yes. Um so I think that just I think that's just the character that comes from it's crazy cult girl, right? I, I did think that crazy cult girl though uh had the most uh important line in the in the film which was you've ruined everything or something yes. like that because it was in that moment where he said, don't drink the wine. Um, I guess maybe it was over the, it was after the birthday cake. Mm -hmm. And, and in that moment you realized that he was not crazy. Although I never thought he was crazy. I thought he was spot on for, you know, being sort of the way he was, but all that said, she said, you ruined everything. So then you knew this was, you know, supposed to be something that went awry. The other, the other question I, I had throughout the film, this is my last question for you, was I wondered if the whole thing was a setup. I didn't know if every single person there, except for the main character and his girlfriend, knew what was going down. But apparently the answer to that is no. 
Right. That is a no, because, of course, uh, when he's talking about where's Choi, the uh, boyfriend of uh, one of their friends, uh, he he was late to work. Right. You know, I mean, he he got back from work late and then something came up with it and he was meaning to get there at a certain time, but he was late. Everybody else was not a part of this movement. Um, they, they didn't go off and explore that. Um, th- th- that's what the wife Edie did. Uh, they were not a part. They were separated from that. So a lot of people had sort of the same thing where they're all just like, you know, oh, it's crazy. We're back together. Like, how mm-hmm. have you been? And everything. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that was what, what was most. Uh, I thought that was pretty effective for the most part, but I can understand uh, what you're talking about there. Yeah, I concluded that at the end of the film. I was like, okay, because, you know, they were not the only, to the film's credit, they were not the only two survivors. You know, I I, oft, I wondered, I thought, well, why is that guy surviving? But it didn't matter because it, I think, frankly, it made it a little more realistic in that they were not the only survivors. Yeah, I liked that because he was just a random guy. Yeah. You know, like you said, you, you're not necessarily attached to these characters, but, you know, he could have died just as easily as anybody else did, but he just happened to not. So mm-hmm. it happened that there were three survivors overall, which was definitely something interesting. Um, one more sort of theme about this movie that I want to bring up um, mm-hmm. before we go into final thoughts is it, they kind of turned like the usual convention of the maternal, like the mother missing the child more or loving the child more um, on its head. Because in this way, <clears throat> I think it's easy to, it was weird because you can tell that the main character suffered the most from this. He said, he even said it himself. He had been waiting to die since the moment that his child had. And you see how greatly he feels for his child, how much he loved him and how much he misses him and like how he's internalizing that. And it's just eating him inside. And then you see how his wife is Obviously, it devastated her, but she's choosing to sort of forget, to sort of deny, to push it under the rug, to push it away. I found that to be an interesting convention where it seems as if the father was the one who was struggling the most with it and was the most unwell in terms of just like how it was affecting him personally, internally. Now, I guess you could also argue, well, the wife invited 10 people to all die together by drinking wine. So obviously she's not doing well either. But I I found that interesting because you don't usually see that fatherly love so outwardly towards maybe the loss of a child or towards, you know, uh, towards their, towards their offspring. Honestly, I thought that was kind of interesting for a movie because they just kind of weren't afraid to show he wasn't being tough about it or just trying to, you know, be blase about it. It affected him so greatly. And I mean, when he went into his child's room, and he just remembered him and just, you know, thought about being with him again. I thought that was, I, I thought that was something that was done very differently. So um, I thought the paternal love here was shown in much greater uh, detail than usually it gets credit for in other movies, if you know what I'm saying. Noah, um, as your father, I can completely know what you're saying. Um, uh yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought that was well done. I mean, I also thought she was she was emotionally unstable anyway. I mean, they both were, right? Who wouldn't be losing a child? I cannot even imagine it. I don't ever want to imagine it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I I like that you observed that because I will tell you, um, as a father, uh, it's a hundred percent relatable. Which is why, again, he was you know the antagonist himself was was or the protagonist was was really my favorite character because you could appreciate i could as a father as your father could appreciate his emotions 
Yeah. When I say that, I don't ever want to experience those. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah, that yeah, of course. I don't want to lose you or Luke, but I can appreciate that perspective. Therefore, I connected with him, which is what I did not have with the others. Yeah, certainly. Um, and it once again, it's just sometimes you have to go through an experience in order to truly understand what that's like, but sometimes yes. you can really connect with that maybe on a more surface level, even though you haven't come close to such an experience. But I think we can all agree that um, I, I think that was done well and the exploration of that major theme alongside the major plot point that happened was quite well tied together. And I think that was the, I thought that was just sort of what shined in this movie mm -hmm. and was mm -hmm. much different than others. Um, and you know what? Uh, talking about the payoff, they didn't just hide the whole cult thing for the entire movie. And I kind of liked that because it's just kind of like, okay, you can tell they're kind of in this little movement, this cult, it's really weird, but maybe they're okay people, right? I like how it kind of played around with that a little bit. It's like, it gives you the idea that they're in this really suspicious movement, but it's also just like, maybe they're not weird and he's being paranoid. I kind of liked how they, they kind of drip fed you a little bit with that. <laughs> but in the end, it turns out to be like literally drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Mm -hmm. But in the payoff, it is something that you wouldn't expect. So I thought it did a really great job of toying around with you, giving you stuff, maybe obvious answers, and then coming to obvious conclusions about things, but still giving you something that was entirely a surprise. So I, I think the end of this movie was really strong as well. I agree. I completely. Why don't you share with our viewers the end of the film so that they, since we're in full spoilers here. Sure. Um, in the beginning of the third act or so, um, the main character sees his uh, wife's new husband light this sort of um, ornament. Lantern. Uh, out, yeah, lantern outside um, of their house. And it's innocuous enough. You don't really think that much about it. Um, maybe you think it's part of like some sort of uh, lighting the place up at night, right? But it turns out that at the end, after they go through all of that you know, all that killing, all of the mass murder, they look out because they're in the Hollywood Hills and they see all these other houses with red lanterns lit just like it, insinuating that this movement was far larger than just that household. And a lot of people were planning to do the exact same thing on the same night. You hear screaming, you hear sirens, you hear a and lot police of police helicopters going over. Head. Yeah. And then you realize this is a mass event. And, right. um, I, I think that goes to show just how susceptible to uh, certain ideologies people are, especially if they go through pain. Um, so uh, it, it just does a great job of tying it all together. I thought it was done almost flawlessly. So yeah, I would agree. The ending is, is, is the payoff is, is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it's a shame that you didn't <laughs> like this movie that much, but hopefully I was able to reasonably answer some questions and give you a little bit more to ruminate on. And maybe one day you'll appreciate it a little bit more, but I can still respect your opinion. There's been plenty of movies that you've loved that I haven't liked that much and vice versa. So at the end of the day, you can't win them all. That's well, I'm glad I'm glad we watched it. So Noah, on a scale of one to five Z's, what are you giving 2015's The Invitation? Uh, four and a half Z's. Easy. Um, I think this is a great movie. Uh, one of the better movies of the past six or seven years, personally. Um, this and The Gift are very similar to me and the way that uh, they just you don't really have many expectations going into the film and they're just so much better than they have any right to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I thought, I think it's a great movie. 
I've sort of spoken my piece on it. Um, yeah, I, I think I think people should definitely give this a look. I, I certainly agree with what you said about you know films that exceed your expectations. You go into it with almost no expectations, and then it just it just blows you away. Th- this for me did not do that. I'm giving it two Z's. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's better than I thought. And perhaps yeah. that was part of the problem on my end. I think I built it up for you so much. No, I don't think you did. I think you did a reasonably good job of not saying, you know, but if you recommend a movie, I know you probably like it because you've seen a lot of movies. So, oh yeah, I, I don't, you know, you did not do yourself or me a disservice by like, you know, saying, oh my gosh, you got to watch this movie. You just said, watch the invitation and then let's talk about it. So we did that. Uh, by the way, folks, it's available for free on Peacock. Um, so. You know, if you want to see the 2015 version of the invitation, which apparently is far superior to the 2022 version of the invitation, which I would imagine so, check it out on Peacock. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Sounds good. So you have just listened to our review of the invitation. Let's move right into our check it out section. What do you have? All right. So um, shout out to a friend of mine. I uh, was commenting that there are a few shows, and I think I even referenced this the other week on our on our podcast episode, that there are a few shows still out there that I don't know where you can stream them or if they're available for streaming. And I mentioned last week in my Check It Out, that, uh, or two weeks ago uh, in my Check It Out, The Six Million Dollar Man. Well, I commented, I was traveling on a business trip, and I, and I mentioned to, to a colleague, Naima, uh, that I would love to know where you can watch the old sitcom, Newhart. And I don't mean the Bob Newhart show. That was the predecessor to Newhart, but I meant Newhart. And I just mentioned it in passing. Didn't think twice about it. And then about a week later, I get a text message from her saying, you can now watch Newhart on Amazon Prime. And you don't have to pay for it, believe it or not. So all of that said, uh, if you're a fan of Bob Newhart, even if you're not a fan of Bob Newhart, this is a show that is really, really, really funny and gets a lot funnier the deeper the seasons, uh, the deeper into, into the, the show you get. The last thing I will say about Newhart is that it has the single, unquestionably best finale of any TV show ever to air on television. I'm done. All right. That sounds good. I'm glad you are rediscovering uh, lost media, I suppose, uh, via streaming, which is great. Um, Yeah, for my check it out today, um, obviously, we review a whole lot of movies here. And uh, on the podcast, we have to archive all of our episodes. But sometimes it can be a little bit difficult sort of sorting through the stuff that you've seen, right? Um, I have some of this issue with movies back in 2015, 16, I used to just write a notes list uh, in my phone of all the movies that I've seen. And I didn't, and I wrote the rating alongside it, but that's not a very good way to do it, is it? Um, but luckily, nowadays, there's an app for that, and it's called Letterboxd. Letterboxd. Yes. Um, Letterboxd is awesome. Um, it's written out as Letterboxd with a D at the end. Um, but this is basically an app that allows you to um, show that that the movies that you've watched, you can review them on a one to five star rating with uh, half point intervals. And um, you can also follow other people like your friends and see what they're watching and reviewing and rating as well. You can make lists for yourself. And additionally, you can just write in your journal some of the thoughts of the movies that you had. And you can discover new films along the way as well. It tells you what's popular that week. 
um, what people are watching. It might give you inspiration to watch movies that are a little bit outside of your comfort zone or things that perhaps you wouldn't have seen otherwise. So I definitely would like you to check out Letterboxd. Um, it's probably on the Google Play Store. It's definitely on the Apple App Store, but it's a great old app. And I, uh, I, I use it to sort of get a good chronological idea of all the movies I've watched and what I thought of them over time. And then maybe if I should revisit them or discover something new. So I, I downloaded that uh, a year or two ago and, and haven't effectively used it, but I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts this morning, Mad About Movies, and the guys talked about how many movies they actually watched in 2022. Mm -hmm. And I like the fact that they they knew the exact number. And so for me, that's compelling enough to try to start using it. So thanks for the check it out. Yeah, of course. I have 302 movies on here that I've reviewed. Um, I. I mean, that's probably the movies that I've seen in the past five to seven years, even though I have some older ones that I remember how I felt about it. But um, yeah, there's uh, there's quite a few movies on here. And you can also rate TV shows as well. So if you're interested in doing that, um, you can sort of see how you felt. But yeah, um, that's my check it out for today. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this week's uh, podcast. We watched The Invitation 2015 and reviewed it. and. I enjoyed the conversation because sometimes it's really good to have a diversified opinion on such a thing. Um, but once again, we really appreciate your listenership. And regardless of whether you want to watch the movie or not, we just uh, appreciate you hanging out with us. Um, but until next week, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is Easy Talk.